Hello and welcome. I'm Jillian Raymond, the co-creator of Juicy Bits and a Coalition Snow ambassador. And I'm Jen Gorecki, your co-host and the CEO of Coalition Snow. For those of you who are new, get ready to laugh, cry, and maybe pee your pants a little. Juicy Bits is about taking the conversations that we start on the chairlift and at the trailhead and bringing them to you to explore alternative narratives that challenge the status quo about what it means to be a modern woman in the outdoors. Grab your helmet because sometimes it's a bumpy ride. FYI, friends, this podcast is for mature audiences, so you've been warned. Let's get to work and juice the patriarchy. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Juicy Bits. This is Jen Gorecki, and I am here with a very special guest. We have Bonnie Shoup, who is the refounder and head of product at Ibex. Now, you might be asking yourself, what is ReFounder? I'm asking the same thing. We're going to find out what Bonnie does at Ibex, how she rebuilt that brand. We're going to hear about being an endurance athlete and ideally get some insight for anybody who wants to break into the outdoor industry, chat with Bonnie about that. But before we get started, Bonnie, welcome to Juicy Bits. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Um, I've been listening to your podcast and I really appreciate like the honest and refreshing conversations you guys have. Thank so. you. I appreciate hearing that because sometimes when we put episodes out, I'm afraid people will stop listening. So that's <laughs> good. it's good that you like it. I, I actually have an Ibex story for you. So I have... Um, I And this is probably not going to surprise you just based on probably all the feedback you've gotten. I have an ibex uh base layer that's probably 20 years old at least it has holes everywhere in it like in the armpits it, all up where i should not be wearing it in public and yet i can't stop i can't quit this ibex base layer that i've had for forever and i feel like that you know people being so um drawn to the brand. Like I'm not giving this up. I'm sure you've heard that before. And I think that's such a big part of Ibex and I'm excited to hear more about it, but I just had to disclose that, that I do wear Ibex and there's a huge hole in the armpit. So you're welcome. And I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, no, that's a common theme. And I actually also have pieces that are that old from Ibex. And I actually have, especially now that I've become the refounder, I have this problem with collecting pieces. <laughs> so I've been collecting a lot of the um, great pieces from years ago, um, just off of, you know, different sites. So um, I, I hear you. I'm there. <laughs> so. Okay. So what is ReFounder? That is a title that probably no other human has. What do you do as the ReFounder? What does that mean? You know, when when we first launched it was really just me so the kind of the story goes that you know ibex came to a point in you know they announced in 2018 that they were closing and then they were bought by david and this new york fund flower fund and what really happened is i 
received a message on LinkedIn and it was, Hey, I just bought this brand called Ibex. <laughs> Would you like to have a conversation? And I was like, who owns Ibex? So I, you know, Googled it, looked it up and ended up talking to them. And I was afraid of their, you know, whenever you get people that just randomly buy brands or start new brands, you never know how their personality is going to be. And so I ended up actually flying to New York to meet the founder or I mean the owners of Ibex and really just love David, thought that we would be a good match. And from there I was kind of the re I was the rebounder, not even kind of, I refounded the brand. And so that's kind of the title that came with my position. For a little while I was the GM, which was like I was running the show, but recently what I had decided is that my job was way too big. Mm. And so I feel like as the refounder, I still get that refounder, you know, the refounder CEO kind of mix of a job, except that I don't want the pressure of the GM role. So I've kind of been, I've been passing that off to my coworker, Smart. Jordan. Smart. And, and I'm keeping the refounder title. So, <laughs> so that's kind of what, what that is. It's just like, yeah. So. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a great title. I love that you've handed off a lot of CEO things that you don't want to do. If you know anybody who wants to come work for coalition and take that off my plate, we'll hand that off easily. So just keep me in mind, anyone, you know, who wants to do all the CEO stuff that I should not be doing. Right. You come talk to, because it's yeah. not. It's not great. Yeah. I mean, just because you're like entrepreneurial doesn't mean you want to do all of that. <laughs> That's right. I and learned. it doesn't mean that you're necessary. Yeah. And that you're not necessarily good at it either. Right. Like just because you start something or you're good at branding, it doesn't mean that you should, you know, you should be the CEO. Yeah. And it seems like your love for, for Ibex really comes in, in the product and on the community side. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah, for me, it's really about the product. And I, I've been an Ibex fan for a really long time. And so when they reached out to me originally, I was really just like over the moon. And then getting along with the owner and just finding my place here has just been just like kind of a dream come true as far as jobs are concerned. And, you know, and as I've sat down and really tried to plan out like what is Ibex's next steps and how do we grow this company, especially in a space where Merino is getting, you know, it's becoming so just like part of everyone's day to day and so many businesses are popping up. I really embraced that, you know, the Ibex mission of the art of wool. And so I spend a lot of my time really trying to innovate and push the boundaries of what we can do with this like natural fiber. And that's really where I find most of my passion and that's what I'm most excited about. And so I'm just really, I'm always just really excited for the next season and the season after because some of these projects that I've been working on are, have been in the works for, you know, two years now. Yeah. So like the wool air, I think is actually a really good example. Yeah. I was just going to ask you like, what's, what's coming out for winter 22, 23 that you're excited about that we should know about taking notes. Yeah. No, the wool air, we came out with that last year. And the goal with the wool air was really to um, 
look at that piece historically what it was and then try to bring it into the future. And so that piece today is roughly 30% lighter and 30% warmer than anything else on the market. Hmm. And that just, you know, I just went through that piece over, you know, multiple samples and just said, how can I cut weight? What can I do here to make this product even more like efficient with less? And I really am proud of that piece. It's really great. So, and I hope that that program grows. I think anyone that tries the wool air is really impressed with it. The warmth to weight ratio is just really like off the hook. Yeah. And it's like a perfect backcountry skiing piece, perfect for hut trips. And I just like, I really love it. And I think at the end of the day too, one of the great things about working for Ibex is because I am an endurance athlete and I love to just get out, I'm really creating pieces for me. So yeah. I actually- <laughs> That's all that I do also. All we're doing, the entire team at Coalition, we're just like, what do we want? Okay, we'll make that now. That that should explain a lot. But yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, totally. We just launched, we're actually launching this week, our Spring Rock running collection which is another the shorts are another piece that we you know that was like something i was trying to solve for i'm a long distance runner i love to run like all day long but in a in a normal short just in a normal nylon short which is usually really lightweight though after you sweat in it for hours and hours i feel like it kind of feels like a diaper and so I really wanted to solve for that. And so the, the shorts that are coming out are made of a knit material. Mm-hmm. And then they also have like a Merino tensile underwear in them. And it, they just move with you when you run. It's really nice, really awesome. And they, I mean, they just stay nice all day long. They're, <laughs> I'm well, pretty happy I, with those as well. <laughs> I, I only run when things chase me. That is my rule. So do they look cute for like hanging out on the couch? Cause that would be the only time I'd probably wear running shorts. Are they, are they cute? Yes, they are cute. <laughs> they make your legs look phenomenal too. I worked on the curve <laughs> at least okay. three protests. <laughs> yeah. These are the things I need to know. Cause I running is not, I mean, anyone who runs, I'm just like, wow, I'm so impressed because I think running is the most painful, awful thing. I don't know. I under, I've been told there's this runner's high and people really get in, like you really get into this zone. And so I don't not believe you, but also I've never once experienced that myself. So it's hard to believe that people enjoy running, but there's a lot of you. There's a lot of you. Yeah. There's a lot of us. Yeah. Yeah. You said something earlier that I feel I wanted to get back back to you were talking about, you know, bringing this product from the past and how how can you bring it into the future? And I feel like outside of the product, that's what you had to do with the brand as as well, that you had to take this heritage brand that had decades of a voice and a a perspective in a, a, a community and then with new ownership and also just with times that change, like always just sort of re reevaluating the times that we live in and shifting de- demographics. One of the things you were tasked with as refounder was sort of rebuilding the brand, which is certainly product-based, but also it's a lot of values and storytelling and community. So what, what was that process like of rebuilding a heritage brand? Yeah, it's been quite a journey. <laughs> so 
Yeah, when I first started and we launched, uh, when we were looking to launch, and it was really just me, you know, to start, we sat down and I sat down with David and Flower Fund and we really outlined the values and what the mission of IBEX 1.0 was. You know, they were, you know, huge advocates for the environment. I'm a huge advocate for the environment. They were innovators in merino wool. They really had a really strong community within their, like just within their employees and within their, their customer base. Like customers, I mean, customers just love them, like very cultishly love them. And we kind of outlined that and we wanted to figure out like, how do we bring that back? And then how do we thread that needle to relaunch this beloved brand in a way that we could bring the customers along with us? And I'm really so grateful to the customers that have stuck up, like stuck with us and actually stuck up for me. We started this Ibex Insiders page on Facebook just to give like, you know, give the customers a little bit of insight. And when we first launched in 2019, people were so disappointed because the product line had decreased so much, but Mm. it I mean, we were relaunching the brand, so we couldn't just start with, you know, 400 SKUs, which is what they ended with. So people were really disappointed and people were, some people were just mean. And there were a few other Ibex insiders that just like stuck up for me and they were like, hey, yo, back off. Like she's bringing back our brand. Right. Yeah. So if you're upset that there's not enough products, okay, if she's not here, then there's zero Zero. Yeah. yeah. It's so was that sort of the main issue? Is it people just wanted to have more selection? Or do you think people just wanted to they were just sad about the brand and needed to have something to talk about? I mean, that seems like such a random thing. Cause I know what people get upset with us about. It's certainly it's like big bigger thing, you know. That just seems like like minutia to be unhappy that there's not four, you know, there's only 200 SKUs instead of 400. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. No, people get mad about lots of, they do. <laughs> people get mad about a lot of things, right? They do. I have definitely, you know, I was just a designer before this, so I've grown thicker skin. Mm-hmm. I've definitely had to work on my leadership skills. <laughs> It's been a journey, but people were really just mad that it wasn't the old Ibex and that I wasn't a part of the previous Ibex, which really oh. wasn't my fault. I had, I had applied many times. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's on them really. Right. You know, but I think people are coming around more and they're, they understand that it is like, I am relaunching this brand and I'm trying to do it with as much love and community and really trying to grow this brand in in a lot of the same ways that Ibex grew. I feel like so lucky to have just such a really awesome core team at Ibex now. We're really small still and everyone just kind of pitches in and they do, they do a little bit of everything. Like even my bookkeeper's been doing like logistics stuff this weekend, you know, and everyone just kind of jumps in and helps and everyone is really excited to be a part of Ibex and grow. And so we're, we really are building that same kind of community within the brand that Ibex had before. So I'm hoping that people that were angry will 
eventually get on board. <laughs> yeah, well, and even if they don't, like I don't know, I don't know if you have a if you have any sort of policy at IVAX. We have a policy at Coalition on firing customers. So like if people are abusive to our customer service team or to the people who are on our so- so- social, they'll get like we basically fire them, like we block them from our email, from our social. We they get put on a list of like they can't buy from us because we just for me, it's part of like ensuring the like health and health and emotional safety of our, of our team. Just also, no one deserves to be treated that that way. And I think that yeah, like it doesn't just because you're a customer, just because you have money to spend, doesn't mean that you get to do whatever you want and that you're going you're going to get whatever you you want. So we we have had to fire a few people, naughty people. They're nasty. Yeah, I think the one statement that I've used more in my more during IBEX than any time in my life is I have talked to customers and just said, time is our most valuable commodity. You cannot get it back. And this is how you're choosing to spend your time right now. <laughs> and that's just like it. <laughs> yeah. I will never get back those 10 minutes I just spent with you on the floor. Like that, I'll never get that time back. Yeah. That's. Yeah. That is painful. What I mean, I feel like this is so when you're in those really, really difficult conversations with people, how do you how do you keep your cool? Because you can't like you can't lose it on people. You you know, you can't and you can't meet them at their nastiness or frustration. You have to be, you know, relatively declarative in your statements and you know, you don't, you certainly don't need to endure, but you can't meet them. How have you learned to sort of manage some of those really difficult conversations? Oh man, I really just have to take a step back. I have meditated more. (laughs) (laughs) Same. (laughs) You know, I've been like working on my, you know, meditation and yoga and trail running just like as sanity more than ever before. Whereas, you know, it was always like just something I did for fun or just, but it's now really just part of living a healthy life. Right. So definitely. (laughs) I am, I'm with you. Like the last couple of years have been all about rest. So sleeping and then riding my bike or snowboarding during the winter and meditating in yoga. And if I don't, and eating well, like eating good, like food that I, that's delicious. And if I can't do that, like I, it's like, I've, I've had to do that in order to deal with all the shit that comes your way, like every single day, whether it's just, Oh, supply chain, you're never getting the things that you're supposed to get. Oh, now go fix your cash flow. Oh, so this or that. And Oh, here's a troll on social media. Like all the, you know, every day where you're like, are, this is what we do now. Okay, I'm going to just go, I'm going to put the, close down the computer, go sit on my couch and just like meditate and just try to like zen the fuck out because it's so demanding. So demanding. Yeah, totally. Yes. Yeah. So you, I mean, so you came into IVEX basically like a year before COVID. So you were rebuilding a brand. You were in a new position and then (laughs) COVID (laughs) hits. What has been, Okay. What has been the like wildest scenario you've had to deal with that you never thought you would deal with in your professional life since you started this position? Oh man, it's so hard to choose. <laughs> there, 
there's been so many, but I mean, I mean, COVID changed everything, right? So we launched, everything was going great. When COVID hit, actually, I was on a ski tour. I went with a friend and we skied from Aspen to Vail. And when I, when we got to Vail, we were skiing down and we saw all these signs for COVID. <laughs> We were like, what's going on? What happened? And yeah. that was the day that they they closed all the resorts. And mm. I and I was like, and I at that moment didn't think that it was gonna affect our supply chain as much as it has, right? It has gotten to the I mean it it really has affected every part of the supply chain. And from just even like you would you would think like sourcing I mean, sourcing was an issue and transportation of all of your materials was an issue, but even with the safety of everyone working on our products, we couldn't even do, you know, we were doing evaluations by like photo and you couldn't mm -hmm. even go into the factories and some factories stayed open and they closed down and they just kind of all lived together. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. to, to deal with all of that and to think about it every day and just want you want to protect everyone that's working for you. It's yeah, it's just been crazy. I, yeah. I yeah. don't know if I could pick out just one scenario, but yeah. and it's still I, I don't know if, if you feel this way, but I feel like we're still dealing with, you know, supply chain, transportation, uh, certainly, you know, just people's mental health and how it traumatized people and how that impacts workplaces and customers and community and events. And it's just, it's really just been something, something to navigate. And, I, and, and certainly I feel very privileged and, and fortunate to, you know, be able to run a remote team and continue to our e-commerce side of things and be healthy. And so, you know, there's a lot of people who, who suffered tremendously but it, it certainly, the impact on business and as somebody who runs a business, that's not getting any better. No, we, we get all of our beanies. This is a funny story that I I'm going to share, but we get all our beanies from, <laughs> from Italy and our beanie supplier, the first year, the beanies turned out just absolutely beautiful. And the second year he had COVID twice during the time. And he's just this small manufacturer. And the second time he got COVID, I was like, kept following up. And I'm like, come on, where's our beanies? And he like, finally, he sends me a picture of him in the hospital. And he was like, Bonnie, I'm so serious. I am so, so sorry. And I, uh, at that moment, I'm like, okay, like nothing else matters. Yeah. And, you know, we have our beanies. They're a year late, but they're here. <laughs> And that's the way it is. Like, you will get beanies when we get them. You will get your skis when we get them. And I can't feel bad about any of it because I literally, we have literally no control. There's nothing that any of us could be doing differently to change timelines or even like increasing cost and any of it. Like there's we have no control over all these things and you just have to go through each day being like, all right, well, this is, this is how this is going to go today, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And because so many curveballs are thrown at us every day. I just feel like 
at the end of the day, I have to just like sit and like take a deep breath and just be full of gratitude for being in the place that I am. Yeah. Because so many things are going wrong throughout the world that I'm just like, whoa, thank goodness. Like, yeah. So, so much gratitude. (laughs) Yeah. Same, same. So I want to get back to this endurance athlete thing because it's, it's always fascinating to me to meet someone who has what I imagine is an incredibly demanding profession. You know, you're not putting in a 40 hour work, work week. You are, you are on, I'm sure all the time. How do you like, how do you balance being an endurance athlete, which means you are athleting, you're athletic all the time, also training, pushing yourself there, and then also doing the same you know, in, in your professional life, how do you, how do those two like work together or not work together or balance each other out? Yeah. I mean, they don't really work together all that well, Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I feel, again, I feel like a lot of gratitude for where I live, right. Um, we're really lucky to be able to live in um, beautiful spaces. So I am up in Nederland, Colorado, and I'm backed by national forests and I can really just like right after this podcast, for example, I'm going to leave and go on the 11 mile run that's right out my back door. And that is real. Like the convenience is just, I feel so much gratitude for that. And then I think for me, mostly during the week, I'm keeping my runs pretty minimal. And then on the weekends, I do like one, what I call is my sanity run a weekend, which my one of my coworkers was just calling me out on the fact that I sit on top of the continental divide and answer email. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but but it is still like a really nice, you know, it's a nice long run. So so I just fit it in when I can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely get get that. I find that because you do work, you know, for me I I would say I probably work seven days a week, like certainly, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday are like much bigger days than what a Sunday would would be. But you're never I find that you're never fully, fully off. But what helps me so much is getting outside, even if it's for, you know, that hour on a Wednesday morning to go for a bike ride or go for a quick ski and maybe do something a little bit longer on a Friday. Like I find just by carving out these like little moments every day, just make it makes a world of 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 difference in allowing yourself to do that cuz it's so easy to think like oh look at look at my to-do list look at this huge look at all the lists i'm you all can't see this right now but i'm literally holding up every single piece of paper that is a list to bonnie right now things i have to do you could say to yourself i have too many things to do i can't i can't go out but if you know i've just you know i i just know that if i don't get outside even just for a little bit you know, four or five days a week, nothing on my list will get done. Yeah, definitely. Well, and your attitude is just so much better, right? Mm -hmm. When you, I mean, 2022 for me is the year of self-care because I really worked so hard to launch Ibex. And it was, I mean, I was working crazy hours. And I actually ended up getting a dog during COVID because I was so, I was so worried about Ibex and it had become my little baby, this little Mm -hmm. obsession 
that I wasn't keeping that work-life balance that I really needed. But I know, and then also just like really working on my leadership skills because I am in this position where I'm not just a designer anymore. I'm really, I'm leading a team and creating a community. I have gotten feedback from all of, all of my employees. You know, I'm just like, what is going to make me a better leader? And they're like, if you get out, if you yeah. get eight hours of sleep, yep. everything is always better when you've done those things. Yeah. <laughs> oh, guess what, Bonnie? You're a nicer person when you're rested and you move your body. Everyone, every, yes, everyone is a better person when you get right. to. Yeah. yeah. And then, and just trying to create a good balanced culture with everyone, just ensuring mm-hmm. that the entire team is getting out and doing the same things too, mm-hmm. I think is really important. So, yeah. Yeah. One thing that I have done recently is when I'm interviewing new people, I try to do hike interviews rather than mm-hmm. just like getting on the phone and that. That's really nice because that yeah. gets a hike in and, and you're getting something done. Yeah, for sure. That. So are you taking them out on the hike or you're hiking? No, I take them with me on the hike. I have them show up yeah. in Ned and we go on a hike. So what if they, what if they don't hike well? Like, is there, are, are you ever worried that they're going to be intimidated that they're hiking with a, an athlete is, or does, is there, does it matter? The hike out in my backyard is very easy. <laughs> okay. So it's like more like walking, but you're on dirt. So that we call it a hike. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's impressive. I don't know. I don't know if I would want to meet people in real life for first interviews necessarily. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I definitely do like an initial, like quick call. Okay. But, um, but if I'm going to interview someone and get them on, if they're like getting on my team, then I try to have them come up and hike with my team. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that's also like if that's part of the culture of the of Ibex. And this actually segues perfectly into what I want to talk about next, which is like, you know, get breaking into the industry or, or, or getting jobs. Like I know that for us, like so much a part of, of hiring is is above and beyond your skill set. It's like, would you fit into the culture of the company? And every single company is different. And so, you know, we're looking at like who who knows about the culture of coalition, how we show up, the things that we believe in. Like if, if you, um, for example, if you're easily offended by four letter words, you may not fit in the culture of coalition. So um, that's, I mean, it's definitely a really important part. Um, and, and also just giving people an opportunity for them to decide, is this a culture that I feel comfortable in? Is this where I want to be? So yeah. as it kind of leads into my next, my next question is like, what, you know, beyond people who might want to work at Ibex, I mean, you've had such this long history in the outdoor industry. What, it, what advice would you give to people who are either trying to break into the industry or like level up. Um, any thoughts on that? Just be yourself. Mm-hmm. I think um, there's been a lot of times, you know, in my life where I really thought I wanted to be somewhere. And in the end, just being my authentic self has led me down the path that I need to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just like, I feel like that's shine through, especially like right now where I'm at in life. 
um, just being myself and, and like being true to what really brings you the most passion because you're going to spend more time focused on the things that you're most passionate about. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that is natural fibers and wool. And even though I've worked for a ton of different brands, that was always just like an interest for me. And I always, um, you know, and then in the end, I just, I got a LinkedIn message because, yeah. because I was just being myself and really just thinking about where I wanted to be and really focusing my energy there. Yeah. Well, and, and you, you said earlier that you had applied to Ibex previously and you never were hired. And I, I think that says a lot about staying your course and, you know, you're not, you're not going to always get that job, but that doesn't mean that things won't be different down the line. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, just continuing to hone your skills until, until one day you are hireable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, yeah. Yeah. And it takes, it takes a long time. Like it's, um, I think back to like what I knew about things like 20 years ago. So that would have put me at 25 and what I know, like it's just more years on this planet and you just continue to get better and better and better. It's like, I keep talking about, I, I want to keep putting out into the world that aging is a very, very good thing. Be excited about aging. Totally. Uh, be excited every single year a birthday comes around. I mean, let's be honest, it's one more year on this planet. Like what a, what a gift to still be alive. But also just, um, you know, there's so much that comes with more time um, and, and being really focused on the things that you care about and just knowing that you're going through this process that takes time. It just takes time to get to all the places where you want to get. And it, as much as you want it, you know, to maybe happen quickly, sometimes it does, but most of the time, you know, if, if, if you really dig deep into people's stories, like people are spending a decade or more at really trying to get to like, to the point where you first notice them. Yes. Well, and I still haven't decided if I'm a late bloomer or if I've just been focused so much on what my passions were that it's yeah. like, you know, that I'm finally like really, I mean, I am blooming, <laughs> but I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily late bloomer as much as just age. I actually really enjoy getting older as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't look back at my 20s and think, oh, gosh, I wish I was there. <laughs> no, I I mean, God bless 20-year-old. You you all have a lot going for you. I'll make a list of all the things people in their 20s and 30s have going for them. Uh, but man, would not want to go back. Would not. Yeah. No, not at all. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> it does feel like... Even though I mean, we've been talking a lot about how difficult things are, but it actually does feel as you age that a lot of other things get easier, though. Yeah. I mean, I fully agree. I mean, <laughs> just feeling secure, waking up and knowing that you're just like, oh, I'm me. I like myself. <laughs> That's huge. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> yep. This is, this is what I do with my life, and I am content. What? an incredible feeling to be able to experience contentment. I have yeah. enough. I am content with my life. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's everything to me if you ask me. So. Yeah, totally. I feel the same way. So. 
so Bonnie, I have one last question for you, which is more, I mean, it's kind of a question, kind of not, but I always like to end when I have a guest on is like, what's the thing that you really want to talk about that either we didn't talk about today or that you never get asked in interviews that you wish you would get asked? This is your moment. This is your time of anything that you you really want to talk about that you haven't been able to on in, in our time together or in general. Okay, so while Bonnie is thinking about the answer to my question, which let's be, it's not an easy question to answer. So we're going to give her some time. But one of the things for all of you as our listeners, I always feel bad for you because when I stop recording, I normally have some of the most incredible conversations with our guests or with Jillian and my conversation with Bonnie when we were done recording did not disappoint. And so I'm going to give all of you, I just have to share a little bit about it. So I'd asked Bonnie how she felt about uh, the recording and she said that she felt good, but that it wasn't as funny as to coog or not to coog. So I was both pleased that Bonnie had listened to that episode about whether or not I'm a cougar, also a bit mortified. And then we launched into this incredible conversation as women who are in our mid forties about how young and vibrant we feel. And half the time when we're in rooms with other people, we think everyone else is older than us. And then we find out like we're the older ones. And it was just a lovely conversation that I wanted to share with all of you about aging and how good it feels and the the vibrancy and the, the strength that we have. And maybe that's why I think it's appropriate to date people who are mm, up to 20 years younger than me. I don't know. No one knows. But thanks, Bonnie, for that little uh, side chat afterwards. And now let's get back to your answer to my question. Okay. I think it would be the reason why I, the reason why Ibex is so focused on sustainability. Mm -hmm. I spent so much time in nature that I understand like the delicate balance of like life. Right. Yeah. And how, how every living thing, it's really a delicate balance, whether you're fishing in Wyoming. Like I remember once, when I was first learning to fly fish and we were up on this river and everything looked perfect. You know, there were all the bugs were there, everything. We should have been catching fish, but it was just overfished. Mm. You know, in the end it was like, Oh, this is overfished or just watching the climate change through the years. If you're just anywhere in nature and based and you've watched climate change happen, I think that, I mean, I'm not a sustainability expert, so I don't get to talk about it enough, but I feel like that is like one of the things that IBEX is really focused on is our sustainability efforts, even though we are a small company. And I think other brands are really focused on that too, but what is handed most of the, most often it's handed to people and mm. they say, okay, this is our sustainable mission. But what I hope for the world is that we all and people ask me another question too of how do you feel about all these people that are moving to Colorado, right? Mm, and all mm. the congestion on the trails, doesn't that, you know, and I have friends that are just like so sick of it. And to me, it's just like, 
well, these are more people connecting with mm -hmm. nature every day. And so like, I'm the person that is on the top of the peak and I like give everybody the tips on how to, to see even more of Colorado because I want more people connected because when we all connect to nature, then we're all going to be more conscious and aware of like what we're putting on our body and what these companies are doing mm -hmm. to have less impact on the, you know, impact on the world. So mm -hmm. I think that would be the question. Yeah. Well, and you know, honestly, like you don't have to be an expert in sustainability to know that there's something not going right in our environment and that, you know, there are things that, you know, individuals to corporations, to governments, to global communities can do about it. So you don't, you don't have to be an expert. You just have to be a person who is passionate about it and wants to make a difference. So sounds like, Sounds like you, you get to do so many of those things from, you know, whether you're hiking out your back door or designing a new product or having conversations with, with your community, like you, you get to bring all those things together. Yeah. Yeah. Thank Ani, thank you so much for joining us on Juicy Bits. It's been lovely to get to meet you and talk to you. And I hope everyone will go out and check out Ibex. We'll be putting the website and the Instagram in the show notes. So make sure you look at that. And Bonnie, yeah, thanks. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. <laughs>